that guy's I am a politician. Do you want to do our campaign video now? <laughs> So I was like, dang, I'm about to give this guy's campaign candy for everybody. Candy for everybody, 2020. You want candy for the next four years? Put me in office. I'll get you so much candy, you never even thought about it before. You seen a parade downtown? We're going to have a parade. You know, it's going to be three times the size, four times the size. Candy everywhere. You see little kids getting candy and they don't take out no candy because the kids don't pick them up because there wasn't a lot of candy? We can forget that. There's going to be ten times of candy so that you kids can get candy and the adults will get candy and there will still be some on the ground in case a horse wants some. Dang, where's that horse coming from? <laughs> the horse is in the parade! So wait, so we're gonna open this with you telling me about how I I said the Dodgers weren't gonna make it last week and then they did. No, we don't have to talk about that. I don't really care uh, about baseball. I just want the world to know I've been proclaiming as a Dodgers fan for like six years now. I actually watched a good amount of Game One. Clayton looked really good. I think he's a better pitcher when the other team uh, isn't stealing his signs. Yeah, I saw um I saw like a a stat. His ERA was like. 503 or 509 or something in the in the playoffs but if you exclude like game one against the Astros in the World Series two years ago it would drop down to like 375 yeah I mean the Astros to I'm glad they're not there uh, I am surprised the Dodgers got past the Braves um you know maybe it's just because Atlanta can't yeah it's, it's an Atlanta it's an Atlanta thing, thing yeah the, the Falcons can lose it as, as soon as the Hawks are good they're gonna do the same oh, thing oh man they're gonna they're gonna blow a 3-0 lead First 3 0 lead blown in NBA history. If the Hawks are going to be good, they got to trade Trey Young. I mean, no one else probably agrees, but if the Hawks are going to be good, they got to trade Trey Young. So. Yeah, but they don't have anybody to build around. Yeah, trade him for somebody to build around. <laughs> <laughs> Victor Oladipo. Yeah. He's on the block. Uh, everybody's saying they're going to trade him until, until halfway through the season because he kind of sucked on his return trip this year. So let's, you know, uh, since last week we had two new coaches, let's just go and knock out NBA. Um, Nate Bjorkin is the is the sleeper coach. Yep. Pacers always going for somebody that, switching it up. Yeah, they're always going for somebody you don't really know. Never really had a lot of experience with. Uh, I actually I think that Dave McMillan was a great coach. Yeah. Um, I think that the Pacers were a great team, and that they were moving up. I, I wouldn't have ever gotten rid of Nate, but um, I think changing to to Bjorkin is kind of the sign of the Nick Nurse effect. Like this yep. is a guy that really hasn't done anything. But he did work with Nick Nurse in the last two years, and therefore he's a good choice. Uh, and that's like what, you know, that's how everybody... Yeah, I mean, that's how the... Spurs the yeah, in. exactly, the Spurs. You know, you always want to hire... You, you envy the system that's succeeding in the NBA, and then you hire the assistants out of it. Yeah, you watch the Raptors win, and, and you watch them beat you, and you watch them get yeah, further in the playoffs, exactly. and then you hire them. Exactly, which, I mean, like, you know, makes sense. I don't know. It, it, it seems like the logical starting point, especially in a town like Indiana or Indianapolis in a smaller market um it's harder to you know pull the bigger names um, there are rumors of of d'antoni going there and um, you know i don't think doc rivers was ever thrown in or like a tie loose so then you get somebody who's a little more under the radar who's uh who's going to come in and, and you can focus and um, especially in smaller markets i think the chemistry um, and less flash is sometimes better in in those situations i i think that's the same thing with portland and it's Terrence definitely Dots. the pacer style is, is never yeah. never make a splash <laughs> Um, then the, uh, the the bigger splash 
Yep. Is of course Stan Van Gundy is now the coach of the New Orleans Pelicans and yep. painted the keys of one of the best potential teams in the NBA, most young talent. Zion, yep. not just Zion included, like most young talent. It's like what, eight eight players under twenty five? Yeah, I mean just a stacked young it's, team. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the right move. Look looking at it now, I think that's the right move. Uh you know, we're talking about the guy who uh, almost brought a championship to Dwight Howard. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing about Stan Van Gundy to me is, uh, is, is yeah, though I like him, I don't know if I consider him like a great winning coach. Uh, you know, he, uh, I don't know, has he ever, has he ever had a championship team? Um, I don't think he did. I think he left the Heat right before they won in 06. Um, you know, uh, he took Orlando to the finals. Uh, he did not do well in in uh, in Detroit, uh, but did did make the playoffs once. Uh, you know he loves he loves a three ball. He's a big three point shooting coach. He likes uh, he likes what everybody likes. He likes tall players that can shoot the three, uh, stretch the floor, and have uh, have height. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he's a guy. Um, you know, and, and uh, I, I listen to a lot of you know what JJ Redick has to say in, in his podcast and, and all that. And you would like the JJ Redick. <laughs> That's, that's so bogus. Though. And uh, you know he's obviously a, a big a stan, <laughs> a big stan fan, and uh, seeing the way that he talks about him, seeing the way that other players talk about him, he, he seems like a guy that players really are drawn to, and I think that's the type of personality that you need with uh, such a young core and such a like young core that's filled with actually good players. You know, we're not talking about like a, a team of of misfit toys that are trying to find out who's the best player on the team. We're talking about like. You know, three legitimately great uh, players in, in Brandon Ingram and, and Zion and um, Lonzo Ball, and, and to see the way that Stan is going to develop them, relate to them, and teach them, you know, the X's and O's because he's such a good X and O's coach, I think will be an interesting um, development throughout the season. You know, we may be pushing on Pelicans' eight seed uh, playoff push. Well, he's certainly going to be a better coach than he is a NBA analyst. <laughs> As uh, Jeff Van Gundy clearly has him beat on that. I love us that Jeff Van Gundy get mad at the refs and be like, why are we getting this stupid timeout and this review call? This is a non-call. And he's just flipping out all the time and complaining about those rules. Mm-hmm. Stay Van Gundy, he'd always be in the after-game stuff. I was better, what's he even talking about? <laughs> so I, I like that he's going back to the sideline where he can yell and get real worked up. He is fun to watch. Uh, but not a lot else going on in basketball. A lot of rumors, uh, like we talked about last week, a lot of rumors, a lot of people talking. Yep. But nothing, you know, coming up on the draft now. soon, coming up on, on free agency, that's when things are going to pick back up. Yeah, and it's really not like I don't feel like there's so many huge pieces dangling out there that I'm like, oh man, this is going to be game changers. The draft pick, obviously, uh, yeah. but you know, I'm not too worried about where Pat Dev's going to end up. You know, I'm, I'm pretty interested to see, uh, you know, as I've mentioned on every podcast for the last two years, Bradley Beal's situation, Victor Oladipo, you know, talks of, uh, of him possibly moving. You know, do we see Giannis try to force his way out? I don't think so, but. You know, you never know in the NBA nowadays. Does pay, does playoff P retire? Who's to say? <laughs> <laughs> I hope he does. That would be that would be epic. That would be exactly what I'm looking for in uh, 2021. Um, so I think that uh, I think that the only thing we really haven't covered in NBA is how they still haven't invited us to the All Star game. I mean, here we are. We're the best fanalists around. We're out here. We're talking NBA. Yep. We're 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 sharing the NBA love in the streets. We're taking people and bringing them, people from the Jordan era, we're bringing them back to become NBA <laughs> fans. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're literally putting in the work of growing the NBA and making it great again right on our own backs. <laughs> and they still haven't invited us to the All-Star game. So, I don't know. I mean, if somebody could just hit up Adam Silver, 
Uh, if you could hit up LeBron, maybe, and I just see. say, hey, we need these boys at the All-Star game. Yep, yep. I, mean, I saw that uh, that it, it cost the NBA about $180 million to put on this bubble experience that they had. And I'll, I'll have to say, they won't even have to change the budget if they oh, invite okay. me into the bubble. I won't, I won't even ask Adam Silver for a dime if I just get to That's not good business. go and chill. For, I got to make the connection. <laughs> so you're saying the networking is worth more than the money. Yeah, yeah. You well, know, it depends on, on how much money. You know, it's that scenario if you could uh, if you could have dinner with Jay-Z for a night or take $50,000, which one you choose? $50,000, and then I use the money to get a dinner with Jay-Z. <laughs> That's fair. That's but, fair. Uh, he, here's a, something that a buddy of mine was told once. Uh, he was out trying to promote uh, his music. And uh, another guy who had made some money in the music scene, uh, mostly like licensing stuff, he told me, he said, what you got to do is you need to throw a huge party. This is down in Nashville. So you need to throw a huge party. You need to rent like an old warehouse or an old spot mm-hmm. and you like throw this huge party and just get a ton of kegs and a ton of free beer and just like go up there. Don't even play your music. Have like a DJ or something and tons of free beer. But uh, he goes, and don't charge people to get in. He's like, the only thing you need to do is just have them give you their email addresses mm-hmm. and then just let them in. He goes, because then you have their email addresses and that's worth more than anything. Do you think that's good advice? Uh, I think it depends on the business that you're t- trying to run because that could uh, very easily fall into the you know kind of scummy solicitation route. Like, <laughs> sounds like this man might be either s- sending out like some bad products or like some phishing emails trying to hack some people. <laughs> so it seems a little sketchy. But if he's if he's sending out marketing emails and be like, hey, listen, you know I got this new album dropping. I'd love if you if you gave it a stream. I'd love it if you you know. Put, hook me up with uh you know the the venue that you run or whatever put me on feature me whatever you know maybe that's, that's do you think a, that a lot of the people that came to the free beer party you're gonna like be like oh i'd like to check out this man's album hey right you never know do you think though if you were like a lawyer it'd be a good idea <laughs> like <laughs> hey i just passed the bar i'm a new lawyer i want y'all to know about me so i'm throwing a huge party There'll be a ton of free boxed wine i, I think the way and, that a lawyer would do it is they would put their face on a on a bus and then that's the lawyer's bus. And then every time you get on the bus, instead of paying a dollar twenty-five, you got to sign up your email. Ah, there you go. Yeah, I'm paying for all your transportation, but I'm getting your email. If you ever have an accident on a bus, contact <laughs> Robertson Roberts Associates. Yeah, straight up. I've had a so this is a great year for me. Um, I don't know if it's a great year. <laughs> I don't know if it's really great. In the midst of a global pandemic, you heard it here. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, hold on, hold on. The, the next thing I say will change that. Uh, but I've had to have two lawyers this year. And Dang, uh, I don't big usually balling, have huh? to hire a lawyer, but yeah, I've been really balling out. You've been getting sued a lot? Well, <laughs> mostly, you know, just some, some, uh, some shady deals. But, uh, you know, I've had two lawyers this year, and one lawyer, he was an older guy. And he told me straight up, he said, This is how much I charge. He said, it's a little more than the younger lawyers. He goes, but, you know, I like to think I do a better job. And I was like, I like this guy. He's, he's really going after it. Yeah. And he's really done a great job. I would recommend using him. He's been a great lawyer. He's, uh, he's cut me some good deals. Yeah. And he's well, if he wants to, if he wants to give a little money back to you on the, on the podcast, we could <laughs> drop should, his name. He should. Yeah, but I'm not going to give him a shout out unless he gives me some cash. No free promo. Uh, but, you know, uh, he's done really good. And talking to him, he's very, uh, he's very you know, very talkative, very kind of a go-getter yeah. um, he's still even keen like a lawyer but he's yep. thorough you yeah. know things I like Yeah. now I've had some weird experiences with lawyers in the past I had one lawyer and I really liked her 
But uh, to decide a business uh, situation, she drew me and another person's name, and she said, I'm going to throw them in the air. Whichever one lands on this side, that one's the president. And that wasn't a good method. Uh, that wasn't a very good lawyer. Um, and I, I went to another lawyer that was also a local lawyer, so maybe that's the thing. Maybe staying out of Logan County. And, yeah, uh, that's my first advice yeah. for, for everything, literally everything. Yeah, and I went to this lawyer because uh, I watched him really scorch the city, and I thought, man, I really like that. And uh, when I went in and, and talked to him, it just seemed like his eyes were dead, uh, that maybe he was just in another place. And, uh, you know, he just didn't seem to have a whole lot of personality and didn't really have a whole lot to say. And I thought, gosh, man, I can't believe I have to pay to have talked to this guy. Uh, so it's yet to be foreseen if I totally regret the experience. But I do think that a lawyer who threw a big party with a ton of uh, maybe just like free anything, free chicken. Um, I'm down for know, that party. A giant free chicken party with yep. no way you can get a, in. A, is, one giant is, free chicken. <laughs> giant free chicken. <laughs> and no way you can get in to get the free chicken is you got to sign this thing. You have the whole thing at a funeral home so it feels right. Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be a good method if you were a lawyer. I, honestly, promoting and marketing, it's gotten weird in, in, in this timeline yep. like because of the internet and stuff, but uh, shout out Gambino. But I think that uh, I think that maybe we need to go back to old school marketing and, and just throw parties. Yep. You know, I saw a quote the other day. It said, uh, it said, make sure everybody that's in your circle is in your corner. And I thought, <laughs> man, that's a thinker. <laughs> you know, it's got me really yeah. wondering. No, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the email thing... It is legitimate. Uh, I was um, listening to to the uh, podcast. I was reading a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago about this guy. You um, reading it? Like yeah, I was, I was reading a podcast with Matthew and NBA Matt. Uh, <laughs> NBA Matt and uh, and this guy you, had this this organization. It was like a grifter organization. So you know, I'm not going to shout him out. So it was like essential oils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was worse than that. Young's essential but he had oils. Like, yeah. He had like millions of like followers. He's like a radio personality. Um, wrote magazine or magazine articles or something like that. Uh, but had this email list and and all these people would like you know give him his email, sign up for newsletters and things like that. And then he would sell that to like lobbyists in Congress and stuff, so that the lobbyists could use his uh, email chains and, and things like that super sketchy because it was like against the will and he like wasn't being forefront about what he was doing with the people but that going to say like there's real money in like having the emails of people not only from the standpoint of you purchasing uh, an email list to send out solicitation to somebody but uh, you as a person in, in a digital age to have that connection you know it's the same thing as like uh, hopping into somebody's dms directly through like twitter or instagram like just shooting your shot if you drop a new album or if you drop a video and you want somebody to you know maybe notice it or whatever uh and sure. email is kind of the the same thing sure yeah i mean I, i'm a, i'm not anti having emails i'm, <laughs> I'm anti pro email I, i'm actually pro finding a really great way to throw a party to get a lot of people's <laughs> emails like if we were to start another business i think the first thing we should do is throw a huge party Dang, to get email. huge emails like, see yeah. i i think maybe like you know it tagging on instagram or something you know that might be a kind of a more modernized you know, it depends on the crowd of people that you're trying to address to, but it's like, hey, you can come into this party, but you got to give me a follow. You got to like, you know, tag me on the Instagram whenever you post a picture of this party, you know, whatever, you know, whatever that looks like. Free exposure. Yeah, maybe we make one of those uh, big wooden like cutouts that people put their faces in <laughs> and under it, it's like, like your yeah. body, but then they put their face in and they tag at Dalton's all. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, for real, we, we were at a business meeting a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned, you know, one of the best parts about marketing, if you start like a small business, is to make it cool because everybody's using Instagram and everybody wants to talk about it, everybody wants to share it on, on Facebook. So if you have a cool space, 
people take pictures at your space and, and people post things because it's cool and they want to seem cool and you know all the things that go along with that and that's free marketing you don't have to buy a facebook ad for somebody to post a picture of them hanging out at your coffee shop or bookstore or, or record store or whatever yeah but the bad thing is you can't promote their post that's true that's and bad. and you gotta you gotta hope the right people are posting. You yeah. can't have like a bunch of lame people posting like who? in your coffee. I mean, were you willing to say right here on this <laughs> podcast? I'm, like, no juggalos. Yeah, you don't want juggalos. See, that's bogus, man. Juggalos are cool too, man. Yeah, I mean, like, why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> why'd you do that, bro? That's messed up. Hey, yeah. anybody's looking for some ICP patches? I got them for sale right now. Uh, I can send you pictures. Just DM me I'm, on I'm Instagram. I'm just saying, if uh, <laughs> if you're a juggalo and you're listening. Uh, you want to come to the coffee shop? I prefer if you don't post pictures because I don't Green. want people thinking that it's an ICP coffee shop. Like. <laughs> hey, if it was a coffee shop in like Taylorville, probably cool if it was an ICP coffee shop. <laughs> Just serve like Fago and espresso. Like, <laughs> got that moon mist with the espresso shop. Poof. That's like, whack. hey, you want to try our new moon mist tonic? That's whack. That's whack. Maybe you could pour a little latte art on the top of a Fago, <laughs> didn't you? No. Fago. <laughs> Dude, I think we could do a cold brew soda like that. I mean, we got to get creative sometimes. Honestly, it would be really fun to have to use Fago to do that. Fun fact, okay? Now, Fago has a bad reputation, right? Like, like bad reputation. Like, how much is a Fago? Like, when you were a kid, you could buy a Fago at the gas station for, like, what? Like, 40 50 cents? cents 50 yeah. Cents. Like, a whole bottle, right? Like, half yeah. the price of a, of a Pepsi or something. Yeah. Uh, It'd be next to the RC Cola. Yeah, don't talk bad about RC Cola. You know how I am about that. I know how you are. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, fun fact though, uh, everyone's favorite uh, carbonated beverage, uh-huh. their beverage of choice in the last five years, Lacroix, uh-huh. made by the same company that makes Fago. Mm-hmm. Here you can spend a lot of money for non flavor, yep. like non sugar, basically water with a hint of smell. Yep. Or you can spend very little money for sweet soda. And the same people made you both. And I like that. It's kind of like whenever we were running Zach's and foamed up. We had this really nasty coffee that Zach Ayapa said, hey, you have to serve this nasty coffee. The guys love it. Yeah. And he was right. They would pay $2 for a coffee that only costs $2 for the whole can, right? And they would ask me sometimes, where'd you get this coffee? It's so good. And I think, well, it's just from Walmart. And then right across the way, we'd have coffee that was like three, three fifty, that we were hardly making any money on. Yeah. And they didn't want that, but other people come in, they would get that. They'd be like, man, I would never drink coffee over there. And here we were making money off both of them, the cheap and the and the and the bougie, yeah. you yeah. know. Broadest coffee spectrum in Springfield, Illinois. And and that's the Fago and Lacroix model, and that's what I like about it. It's like having two storefronts. I like this that. one is Fago, <laughs> this one's Lacroix. You know, they're side by that's side. That's messed up. But there that's, they are making the is, same money in the yeah. same pockets, or are getting yeah. full. And I bet they did that by soliciting emails and saying, "Hey, stop drinking Fago. You got to drink sugar-free Lacroix." And then Lacroix is like, no, you gotta, you gotta drink what you want, that real Fago. And they're soliciting emails both ways, starting up that war. Either way, it worked for them. That's a national beverage, <laughs> national beverage company. Is that yeah, yeah, yeah. Should have bought stock in that four years ago. Man, where were we? Actually, five years ago. It's it's really longer than that. You needed to be in like 2014. Yeah. But hey, missed out. You missed out. That's how it always is. I should have bought stock in. Berkshire Hathaway, way back in the day. Yeah, way before my day. <laughs> way before I was born, I should have bought a stock in that. Man, that'd been great. Man, you know who did buy stock in that? Warren B. Yeah, he, <laughs> he bought, bought the whole thing. Bought the whole thing. <laughs> Made it a whole different thing, just like that. So, uh, so let's let's talk about streaming, man. 
Yeah, straight up. So, so today, uh, the day that we're recording this, Wednesday, um, you know, Netflix just reported last night and uh, after hours, and it was interesting because it was kind of what we were expecting, um, and in that they're continuing on the same path and they're trying to figure out what to do as a luxury item and, and dealing with more competition in the market and, and you know all the same narrative that we've been seeing. But we saw a slowing growth rate in subscribers uh, from Netflix. And as a result of that, uh, today their, their stock has dropped by about 7% or, or so last time I checked. Meanwhile, on the other hand, you know Disney, arguably the biggest competitor right now to Netflix, uh, staying strong and, and staying steady. I think part of that is, uh, you know, it's a little bit newer, still riding off that initial wave of, of people coming in, a uh, little unfamiliar to a lot of people, whereas Netflix has been around and, and everybody's kind of um, familiar or at least uh, has it or, or has access to it at this point. Um, but I think Disney, the, the thing that, uh, you know, brought this on my mind, and I've been thinking about this for the last week or so, is that Disney announced that they're restructuring their company. Disney, the, the entire company, kind of restructuring to focus on streaming and focusing less on things like their theme park aspects, uh, you know, uh, all their merchandise and, and things like that. Not so to say that they, you know, they're shutting down any theme parks or uh, focusing on making less money there or, or anything like that, but they're seeing that streaming is the real potential. Um, they're rivaling, you know, Netflix, Hulu, Comcast, Time Warner, all of those major players in the game. Um, and we're seeing the way that they're shifting their focus because of how important streaming is in a modern era. So, I mean, I mean, Disney obviously has the advantage of like subscriber growth could be huge. Mm -hmm. Netflix is kind of the old standards. So they've been around so long that yep. they already have tons of people, yep. you know? Uh, so for them, I feel like growth is, is just harder in general yeah. because they're already so high. There's not a lot that Netflix can bring to the table that, that you, that is new, yep. you know? Uh, where Disney as a production house, you know, constantly puts out hits, you know? Mm -hmm. So they have that advantage of being a hit maker plus having, you know, a pretty large, like, library of stuff yep. that they're not going to get out to. Yeah, exactly. And they have, you know, they've cornered off major markets, Marvel, uh, Star Wars, Cinematic Universe, you know, all Pixar. those major things. I mean, for for my household, we stream Disney Plus way more than Netflix. I mean, I got kids. Yep. They're watching Pixar every day. I mean, it doesn't, it's Netflix. It's kind of between the two, but we hardly ever use uh, Hulu or any of the other ones that we have. But, you know, uh, I see I see Disney Plus as having the most most room for growth. Uh, Netflix, you know, to me, I feel like they they could be getting hit too with the uh, uh, conservatives canceling out because of the Cuties movie. Yeah, I saw a lot of people who uh, who I saw say, "Well, I've canceled my Netflix subscription." Uh, with a lot of pride, the controversy. With a yeah. lot of pride, they're like, "No more Netflix for me." Yeah, they always Ooh, have a man. lot of pride. Jesus said <laughs> no, and I thought, well, I mean, Netflix has had some straight filth on there this whole time, and you, yeah, <laughs> you weren't putting your foot down about any of that. You just decided now because the politics of everything that you were done. But, yeah. Um, I actually wondered if that would hurt Netflix because Netflix doesn't really have a lot of room with investors. Like with the way Wall Street works, they don't really have a lot of room for error. They pretty much just have to always see growth for people to be happy yep. with them. Which is like, which is really Netflix has got to be at the point where they're just making the transition from a growth company to a lifestyle company. Like mm -hmm. Netflix is big enough that they're not going anywhere. But like you don't get excited about Comcast or Time Warner. You'll get excited about those stocks because they've been out for a long time. Yeah. And there was a point where they were new school and that was it. But, you know, now, you know, they're actually, they're going by the by the tide in, in places like Netflix and Disney Plus are, are picking up. But, you know, I feel like Netflix is one of those companies that to me is almost like Microsoft. Like, they're not going anywhere, but you don't expect them to do like tons and tons of new things. You just expect them to continue to yeah. do what they do. Yeah. Um, and, and that's like, that's it's tough for a company not to fall into that, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. It's, it's how Apple's been so successful is that they've always figured out a new way to make themselves. Or Disney. I mean, Disney's been around forever, but 
but they always find a new way to bring in revenue yeah. and to expand their footprint. Yeah, and for Disney, it's monopolizing. Yeah, and for all of them, it is. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, we got the same problem. If you saw the news, uh, Apple and Google, you know, hit with yeah. an antitrust lawsuit. Really, Google over monopolizing. You yeah. know, uh, saying that by Apple having a deal with Google, that anybody typing in their Safari bar would automatically Google. They are taking away the competition of all the other search engines, mm-hmm. uh, which the biggest being Bing, which owns like seven percent of the search engine market. Seven percent. They're yeah. the next biggest competitor to Google. Uh, it's like it's like the dumbest thing because if you were an Apple phone yep. user and it didn't automatically do that, you know you would immediately go to your settings and be like automatically Google, yeah. or you would just go to Google all the freaking yeah. time. And, and that's what I think You're not is gonna go to Bing. Is uh, it, and I was reading an article that kind of touched on the subject, and I I've always kind of thought about this and reflected over the last couple of years about why it seems like there are so many monopolies. In, in the world now, you know, all these companies own all these, you know, subsidy companies, same with, you know, Facebook, Google, Apple, they all own multitudes of companies underneath them and they're just monopolizing the market. And one of the interesting points that, um, you know, I was made aware of and, and brought to my attention is that in a consumer market, especially in a, a tech market where everything's so globalized, every, like we have access to everything, it's natural that things are monopolizing and so without regulation it it creates you know a lack of competition and things like that but we as consumers cause that monopoly because i prefer apple products i prefer to use apple software and you know my whole lineup of my apple ecosystem because i like it better and you I prefer al- to google something i always google yeah. always google you know Period. i use yeah. use the same social media until like the, a new cool one comes out but it's because we as consumers we want the best things and then when it becomes the best we keep using it and then that you know obviously has to stay the best because we just shut out the whole competition and allow the best company to make money and then you know buy up the rest it really is just that i think the word monopoly is used too strictly i mean if somebody did really well to make sure that everybody is funneled to their product Mm -hmm. and if everybody wants to be funneled to that product then it's just not a monopoly monopoly is forcing there to be a situation where there can be no other product no one is keeping people from starting search engines. Anybody could start. Me and you could start a search engine. What, what The thing that would keep us from succeeding is being able to market our search engine and getting people to use it and it actually working as well. Yeah. So to me, like these things are monopolies. I mean, you could have said, you know, four or five years ago, Netflix had a monopoly on streaming, you know, and no one else was streaming. No one else could stream at that level. No one else had that capability. But because they were so good at it, it drew competition and competition mm-hmm. has now got us to the point where we're having conversations about these other streaming companies, now everybody's streaming. You know, yeah. CBS is streaming, for heaven's sake. You know, like, uh, who yep. needs that? But you can pay for it if you want. You know, HBO streaming, Amazon streaming, you know, everyone's streaming. Yeah. So, you know, if something starts to succeed, somebody else will come in. I mean, Apple and Google have their deal. You can make a different phone, and your phone can have a different deal. You know, Microsoft has a phone. Yeah. You know, so it's like, in these situations, it's not, it's not, it's not a monopoly, but it's rich people, like, lobbying against other rich people to try to make something out of something so that they can find an advantage. You know, clearly Yahoo and Bing are mad yeah. that Google has this deal and, you know, they want in on it. Yeah. But it, it ain't going to change it. It's just like when they said that Microsoft, that, that Explorer had a monopoly because Netscape wanted in. Yeah. Well, it's been years. The, the Microsoft monopoly got broken up and we still didn't use Netscape because it was trash. Yeah. You know, now, sure, other places did come in and people got smart about their browsers and realized, hey, there are things I prefer in browsers. And people started using Firefox or Chrome. That became good competition in a free market. Microsoft was just that far ahead of mm-hmm. all of that competition, you know. Yeah. So, it is what it is. 
Uh, don't use Amazon Prime though. Amazon Prime <laughs> streaming is trash. Dude. Let me on that. Stuff, you, the, the problem with Amazon Prime streaming is I never know if I have to pay for it or if I already have it in my Prime because they mix everything in there. And you I look, you automatically got it with Prime. Yeah, you do. But then you look at the Prime video and you're like, oh, I want to watch that show. And you click on it and it's like rent or buy. And then the next one you're like, I don't know if I have to rent or buy. And you click on it and it's like watch now. And then the next one is it's all jumbled together. Oh, see what a bad database. And it it, re it repeats itself. It, it gets you a locked bad in. Database. It locks you in. I did order something on Amazon yesterday and I got it today. So I can't argue with that. <laughs> well, during the pandemic, <laughs> Bezos has brought his total wealth up to 188 million dollars. Yeah. As people just been lining in his pockets, lining in his pockets so that they could get something on Amazon the next day. I know it. I you know, know it. even even me. Yeah, prime non-prime user, Ooh. prime non-prime user, pro Walmart uh, Luke, pro Walmart Luke. Even I've ordered things from Amazon. Even in these last two weeks, I ordered a, a screen protector for a phone, for Daniel's first phone. And yeah, he's fifteen. Got his first <laughs> phone at fifteen because I'm old school like that. Uh, Chicago Luke, man, I don't play no games, bro. I ain't getting no ten-year-olds phones, eight-year-olds. I mean, what are we talking now? I didn't have a pager when I was eight. Yes. I should have. Yeah. <laughs> I could have been selling people fish or something. <laughs> we, we, uh, we got, what else I get on Prime? I got like a rug for the house. Two rugs, actually. Because hey, we're going to look at them both and send oh, them back. Yeah. Uh, so you I did to calls it. But I bought some shelves from Walmart. Uh -huh. So I did, I did use the competitor, the Amazon competitor. I'm just saying that I just don't like lying in Bezos' pockets. He's got enough people paying him, and I'll pay for Prime. I use my mom's account. <laughs> I ain't, I ain't have to pay for Prime. I do pay for Hulu. I pay for Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, Apple Plus, Netflix, Sling, uh, PlayStation Plus. I mean, I keep those are all things I keep. Apple Music. I mean, yeah. I keep all these things. I ain't paying for Prime. You know what I'm saying? That's where my line is. <laughs> That's the line in the sand. That's the line in the sand. So I read something pretty disparaging. Uh, it was it was on Newsweek. It was like uh, just a couple weeks ago. But one of my friends online had pointed out. It came out on ten eight, and it was a lot about um, just like where millennials are in in the wealth spectrum. And uh, and I'm a millennial because I was born between nineteen eighty one and nineteen ninety six. Mm -hmm. If you're born between those years, you're a millennial. I, I hear some eighty two ers and eighty three ers that think they're Gen X. Yeah. You're not Gen X. Nine, 96, 97, that was kind of the, the gray uh, into the Gen Z. I mean, who was even born in 97? Are you born in 97? No. You were born before that, 96. right? 96. So you're a millennial. Yeah. Well, you they, want you yeah. want to be a Z? You, is that what you're saying? You want to be Z? There, there's a lot of things that go into like generational characteristics. I mean, I guess. I mean, you're still born in the 90s. Yeah, but like, so, so for example, I'm the youngest sibling. So I grew up more akin to 90s culture because my older siblings were involved in 90s culture. Whereas if I was the oldest and I was born in 96, I would have been setting the tone with like 2000s culture, if that makes sense. And so I would have had more characteristics, more akin to like Generation Z, um, where I, I did because I grew up very much in like the internet era. You know, like I, by the time I was getting on the computer, you know, I was burning CDs off LimeWire. I was like you know very much involved on the internet and from an early age and so in that sense i missed the 90s culture and, and went straight into 2000s and, and gen z here's like how here's how i can tell you the difference between gen z and millennial for you that are on the edge okay <laughs> you were born in 96 you're a millennial elijah was born in 97 he's gen z elijah does things the way gen z people do things you do things the way millennials do things <laughs> if we went and compared y'all's lives Elijah's out running around being a Gen Zer right now, right now. 
I got a picture of him in the back of an Airstream today with his hair down, talking about all kinds of camera techie stuff like he's the young Rick Rubin, right? Yeah. And you came in here from your desk job, you know, and that you're a millennial. He's yeah. Gen Z, you see? Yeah. That's just all there is to it. I, I get you. And, and, and yeah, and, and there's a lot of nuance there, you know, in that for the cutoff, but. Sure. So in this article, uh, what the the striking things was it was just talking about the wealth disparity. So millennials control four point two percent of all U.S. wealth, which is like a pretty low number for such a large. Like, you, group. you got a number for uh, total wealth somewhere around around like um, one ten, roughly. I, I don't. I guess at four point six percent, five point two trillion, it's going to be around like eighty trillion. Is that correct? Yeah, it, actually a little a little bit more, almost uh, almost a hundred trillion. So about a hundred trillion dollars is, is U.S. wealth. Um, but millennials make up the most represented group in the workforce. So that's what's crazy yep. about it. 72 million workers are millennials, but they only control 4.2% of the U.S. wealth. So your largest group of workers in the whole entire United States only control less than 5% of all the wealth in the United States. Um, and, and to like show more, like the baby boomers, which control the most, they, they control 59.6 trillion, 10 times the amount of millennials. Uh, at their same age, in, in, the, in, the, in 1989, when, when boomers were in their 30s, they made quadruple the amount of money that millennials make at the same age now. So, like, like it's it, basically like when they say... To hey, account you should for, like, just, inflation and... Yeah, and ca- accounting for inflation and things. Like, when they tell you, hey, why don't you pay for your own college, which costs you 10 times what the generation before you paid for college, and why you made four times less than they made... You should just pay for your own college. <laughs> uh, so, like, those are those are some of the things that I think are pretty wild. Um, out of the millennials, only three are actually like super wealthy, and those three are Mark Zuckerberg and Dustin Moskovich, who who both uh, co-founded Facebook, and the heir of Walmart, Lucas Walton, and they hold a dollar for every forty dollars among their Which whole entire wild. generation. Yeah, wild. So you take the rest of all the millennials. And they account for thirty-nine or forty dollars, and these three account for a dollar or forty. Three people. Three people have a whole generation, nineteen eighty-one to nineteen ninety-six. If you were born in that range, so you, you could be thirty-nine, you could be twenty-four. Mm-hmm. If you're between those ages, out of all the money in those age groups, these three people hold a dollar of every forty dollars. They're pretty much like our parents. Like, <laughs> like all the rest of the money they'd be like, "Hey, where's our dads?" <laughs> uh, and they've got all the cash. Dads, can we borrow a little gas money? We're all broke over here, you know. You keep selling ads, and we're all out of money. We're probably buying the most ads, you know? So it, it's it's like a glaring disparity. And then the thing that really got me, and we talk a lot about stocks on here because we love stocks. And I think like I think one of the things that's like, even though we love like small business and entrepreneurship, like if somebody has a project, we'd love to talk about it. If somebody actually come on the show and say, hey, I've got an idea I want to talk about on the show, we would love that. But the thing about stocks is it's like it's a world that I think for you and I both, we've been so passionate about just wanting to be involved in and putting, putting little bits of money aside and invest in and encouraging people that it doesn't matter who you are or how much money you make, you can invest in stocks and start to save up and make money and learn about your economy and about what business works and how mm-hmm. things work. You know, you can learn just so much from investing in stocks. You can learn from losing money. You can learn from making money. Uh, but this this actually really kind of shook me when I read this. It said that um, that out of the richest ten percent of U.S. adults, that they own eighty eight percent of all stock shares. And I was like, dang, man, that makes me and Dalton in the largest minority yeah. of all time. Meaning that the the 88% of all stock is just owned by rich people. Really, mm-hmm. really, really rich people. Like mega rich, like beyond comprehension rich people yep. own 88% of all stocks. And I know that back in the day, like, you know, I know in the, in the 80s, 
you're getting stock options for companies, the places you work, that was a lot of like incentive. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that more people who are working class people own stock. They own stock in companies they, they work for. Even around here, like there's a lot of people around too that still have like, oh, I have so many shares in Caterpillar because I worked yep. there so long. You know, and I feel like that kind of idea has almost become a thing in the past where they're not really trying to give you so many stock shares. They're wanting to keep their stock shares, control the market, and make their wealth off their stock shares. Yeah. You know, or, you know, they kind of get you back with dividends, but mostly they're getting their own selves back with dividends. Like, if 80, 80% of the rich people own the stocks and 88% of the people are getting the dividends are people who are already rich. Yeah. You know, so uh, these kind of numbers, they, they were kind of, uh, kind of discouraging, kind of makes you see the oppression, the situation that we're in as, as a nation. Where we're you know even going to a place of, of voting and all these things and all these things that matter, and here we are like, like how much does it matter whenever you know that the people who are in charge are just basically these rich people yeah. controlling everything, you know they're controlling Wall Street, they're controlling who gets paid, they're controlling the politicians, mm-hmm. they're controlling everything because they have the power and the money to do it, and here the working class people control nothing. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's insane that like the you know the top one percent has doubled their wealth since the Great Recession. Where everybody else has lost money because minimum wage hasn't risen in you know ten years, uh, inflation has continued to, to rise, the cost of goods have continued to rise, like our lifestyles have continued to rise, uh, whereas uh, our, our wages haven't. Um, and, and even you know somebody working working a, a well-paying job and doing great at their job can't expect at best a four percent year after year like wage increase. Which is just barely keeping them above inflation and, and just keeping me. them keeping them up with inflation. <laughs> Whereas like people at the bottom of the bracket, you know, can legally be paid like so little money federally um, that, that that just hasn't risen. You know, a lot of states obviously are pushing legislation for uh, fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage, um, and, and uh, even in some places higher or lower. But the fact that that hasn't risen just goes to show you know how much uh, more the the wealth disparity has has risen. And you, you said, uh, what was the number you said Vanguard has in total? Yeah, so I, I think I, I looked it up. For some reason, I was looking up Vanguard information, you know, probably because I own Vanguard ETFs. Love and and Vanguard I love, ETFs yeah, are I love the Van- best. Yeah, love Vanguard. If you're going to buy an ETF, Vanguard uh, ETFs. But, but I think on the Wikipedia, it said that they own like something like $6.8 trillion of assets. So they have more assets than all the millennials. All the millennials have less assets than Vanguard. Than just Vanguard. Shout out Jack Bogle. <laughs> yeah, Jack Bogle, man, he could be on the mantle, bro. He could yeah, be on the mantle, man. He was the man. Mount um, Rushmore. <laughs> it's just wild to me to, to look at the situation and think about it the way it is and how hard I've seen so many people work. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, for me, it was yeah. it was watching my father work night and day and, uh, and not be Absolutely. successful yeah. in the way that people say success is. And then knowing how many more people have worked really hard or just... How many people I know have wanted to just do as well as their parents did? Yeah. Like, and I think, man, your parents in 1989 were probably making bank compared to what you make at your best job, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, that whole thing's crazy. It's crazy to think that while the rest of society has lost wealth, that Jeff Bezos would grow 64% more wealth. Yeah. When, and the year is not even over yet. We haven't even got to Christmas. <laughs> I mean, like... It's it's insane. It, it, it makes you... Totally you nuts. I don't know if I want to cry, if I want to yell, or if I just want to laugh because there's, there's nothing that I can do as an individual person other than focus on myself. No, there's nothing. I mean, you can, you can continue to try to do what you're doing. I know, uh, I know one of the things that, that my dad had said that always affected me as a business person was uh, he said that the thing he regretted the most was not starting his own business sooner, you know? Uh, he worked for other people for a long time. He worked for the same person for you know the last decade before he started his business, and uh, you know when you're working for people, there's security, 
there's this feeling that, okay, I've got a job and it's going good. But the thing that you realize later on is you're lining up somebody else's pockets. Yeah. And, uh, and as we've seen and, and as a lot of our friends have seen recently, um, you know, you can line somebody else's pockets and then what they can eventually do is they can take everything you're dreaming and take it right off the table and say, hey, I'm done with this dream. You know, I've got to go do something else, make different money or I'm, I've made all the money I want to make here. I'm done with this business and y'all can go find something else to do. And it doesn't matter that you may have started that thing or put all your time and energy into yeah. it. Someone with more money is going to walk away with that money and leave you wherever you are. So I always thought about how my dad said that, you know, start your own thing, do your own thing. Don't make somebody else rich, you know, uh, and even if you don't succeed in getting rich, just know that what you work for, you work for yourself. Mm-hmm. You did it yourself to get there. You didn't need them, you know. Um, I think that line of thinking has like got me through a lot. Yeah. You know, and like I've watched, I've watched a lot of our friends get burned on, uh, on these same situations. So I feel like that's kind of, you know, like there's not a lot you can do other than start your own thing, work it as hard as you can, look for opportunity to grow. I mean, you're not going to be Mark Zuckerberg. You're not going to come up with a one in a trillion idea and then have all the ability to, to create yeah. it and, and do it. You know, that's, it's, it's like winning the lottery as much as it is being smart, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of people that start with nothing and made it somewhere. And I feel like, I feel like one of the things we talk about the most is, is the idea that everybody eats, you know, like we want to go into business with somebody that wants to be in the ruling class. You know, if you, if you want to be in the ruling class, don't approach me for your business idea. I'm not with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to sit on the top of the mountain with you and look down at all of our bad employees. You know, yeah. I want to be in there with the employees. I want everybody to work hard so that everybody can make money. You know, to me, a company that, that has dividends the dividend should be really high. They should go back to the employees. Everybody should be making good money uh, yeah. out of the time and energy they put into it. So, you know, uh, obviously capitalism doesn't always make a lot of room for that. And obviously the baby boomer generation must be the most selfish generation of all time. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, if you're controlling... We're not the first ones to say it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're controlling that yeah. much of the wealth and you're throwing this many fits over uh, over the elections and stuff, I actually have to think at the end of the day, the only thing you care about is where your taxes are going to yeah. be. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, you touch on this a lot. Uh, we, we want small businesses to thrive because in, at the end of the day, like it's not Amazon and Walmart that are running the country. It's the shops on Main Street that are, you know, doing their thing. It's, it's people being happy because they own their barbershop or they own their bar that, that their friends come to hang out in or their coffee shop or their, their consignment shop or, or clothing store, or whatever. It's those types of things. Um, are, are so beneficial to a community and so beneficial to a lifestyle because you get to do whatever you want. You get to um, have fun doing it every day, share your passion with other people. And at the end of the day, it's, it's the small businesses that are more equitable uh, across the board. You know, obviously there are bad small business owners who, who treat their employees poorly and, and things like that. And I think we can all think of examples. I but have so many examples. <laughs> so many examples. I have just cards filled with examples. But with a small business, you not only get to be a part of your community, you not only get to uplift other people but you you have the real opportunity as a small business owner to implement everybody eats and you know like like jay-z said financial freedom is my only hope yeah i think i think that uh, i think of course jay-z is always right and and i think that <laughs> what beyonce and jay-z have done just in the black community you know is, is amazing because even at the end of this report it tells you 84 percent of all wealth is controlled by white americans and only four percent of wealth is controlled by black americans yeah uh, but you know like uh even on uh on, on their last on the Carter's album they, yep. they talk about how they want their kids to be on the Fortune yep. 500 or, or the work that they're, they're doing putting with Diddy money for their next generation to fight against to fight for Afrotech and, and against the you know disparities in, in Silicon yeah. Valley and, no, absolutely and, and with Tidal uh, what they're doing with Tidal and everything I mean they're definitely doing that kind of work uh, you know I think the thing you hit on that really gets me in the present business world is like and even among small businesses and I'm, I'm seeing this somewhat firsthand 
is when you work for a small business, you're working night and day, mm-hmm. and and you are in that situation where at the end of the year you get your four percent raise, which kind of keeps you at least a little bit above inflation. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and moving along keeps you working because you think well. 4% is probably more than I'm going to get if I go apply and start the bottom of the totem pole again. And at the same time, as they're telling you how much they value you and how much they need you, at the same time, they're not hiring enough people for things to work well. Uh-huh. They're, they're not paying the you a great wage. It's not like a full yeah. living wage. Uh, and if you complain about it, they'll say, well, we have so many people waiting to work here. I mean, you know, yeah. do you not like this job? I mean, if you don't like it, we could. I mean, we don't want to replace you, but we have a lot of applications sitting in the other room, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, like, while they're talking about how they're just barely getting by and how, how, how they're really just trying yep. to make enough money, at the same time, your boss will be traveling to some other nation, you know, going on vacations, living in a house that's, they're you know, getting 10 stock times options. what you could afford. And, your boss is getting stock yeah. options and you don't. Yeah, and that's exactly the, the situation I feel like. Even among small businesses, uh, local businesses, especially among the ones that are growing the biggest, yep. there's still a person that's making flat out the most money possible. And they're making money based off how little they pay you. Yeah. If they paid you more, they wouldn't make as much. They would still have a lot, but they want to make more than a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they need to make it to that next level. And you know, when it's that kind of thinking, you just have to wonder how much do they care about? You? How much are you first? Yeah. I remember I, I got a guy to come work with me, uh, my buddy Quentin. Uh, he was on the edge whether he was going to work with me and Zach uh, Ayapa whenever he first moved into the mall. And he was working at a different restaurant. And he had worked there for, I feel like, a year and a half or two years. And I'd ask him how much they pay him, and they weren't really paying him very much for how long he'd been there. And I said, look, man, I was like, you got to understand something when you're working for the man like this. I said, you could fall over dead today, and they might miss you. They might draw a chalk outline of you on the floor. I was like, but in a week, maybe even the next day, they'll have somebody in your shift doing your job. Yep. I was like, because they ain't about to stop that thing from moving. They don't care about you. I was like, you come work with us. We'll care about you. And, uh, and I remember he told me later on, and that was the first time I never met him. He was like, that's what made me quit that job. I was like, he's right, man. If I fell over dead, they wouldn't even care. And I used that same logic. Now, this was kind of messed up because I was really just depressed. But I was in a pretty low place, and I was working a temp job, and there's a lot of other temps there. And I would tell him, I said, you know the thing about being a temp? I was like, you fall over dead today, they'll replace you tomorrow. You don't matter here. <laughs> and they would get, people would get real mad when they hear that. They'd be like, don't say that. And I'd be like... What's the truth? We're temps. Like, literally, we are temporary to this position. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, I feel like that is where, like, the America, like the American dream for your high-ranging capitalist, that's it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're here, but if something happens to you, we'll replace you the next day. Yeah. You expendable know, uh, workers. Very expendable workers. Not to say that they couldn't be trained. And not to say that yeah. even, even last year, I felt like I was in a situation where I was having trouble finding good workers. And I literally said, we just need to hire a warm body to stand here. Because nobody's doing a very good job, but someone has to stand right here uh-huh. and pretend they're doing something for me to actually do the rest of this job. Uh, but I feel like that situation is few and far between, and that people are being treated like warm bodies who are better than that. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, for for sure. And just kind of touching on that uh, for for this part of the conversation, if you are working in, in like a corporate setting or in an office setting, or, or just working for the man in, in any way. Um, I understand like the security of it and, and all that, but but like you said, you know we're expendable workers, and you're just a, a cog in this overall arcing thing, and you are only as much value as you are bringing to the company. That's what your salary is. They're saying this is how much value you are to me per year or whatever. And if you aren't getting at at least a four percent increase year after year, like it, it might be time to to start looking because your your loyalties, you know, I I promise you, most companies 
aren't as loyal as, as you know, your manager is to you, the company is the one that, that runs the things or whatever. So if you're not getting that 4% raise, like you're falling behind and you're losing money due to inflation. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I think is so interesting, um, I was reading this article about tech workers in, in Seattle and how it's very common practice uh, to, you know, somebody working at Microsoft to uh, quit their job after a couple of years and go work at Amazon for a couple of years because they get a pay raise. And then ultimately they're gonna come back to Microsoft to jump sale because you know year after year you're only increasing a little bit you're on the same trajectory but then you jump ships you kind of skip a level on another company and come back whatever you know that's the easiest way for tech workers in, in Seattle to make money and it, it is pretty true in pretty much all industries you know jump ship if you got to I don't know about jumping ship I mean I think you should just start buying stocks and start yeah. your own company and maybe just screw those guys yeah my dream but is to you know work for a company and then just eventually buy up so much of their stock and be like you can't fire me I own more of this. You company want a Bruce Wayne I'm like in the, in yeah, the Batman Begins when, when he comes in and he bought it all. And yeah. When it went public. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, undercover agent, undercover boss. That's my new series. Uh, undercover, undercover, undercover cash cow man. You got enough <laughs> money to buy all that? Uh, I have a I have a family member that works for a a, a health establishment in the area. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, they've taken some hits on profits during the pandemic. Uh, but previous to this, over the last, she's worked there for a while, over the last few years, uh, in meetings, uh, and she's in, like, office administration work, in meetings they would say that they were making so much money and that their profits had been so good that they could operate for three years with no profits and still be 100% fine. Uh, this was the kind of things they were saying over the last yeah. two or three years. So we were making so much money that if we were to operate with no income, we would still be fine. Yeah. We would still have so much money, it would be no problem for us. But then as soon as the pandemic stuff happened and they weren't making as much money as normal, what do you think they did? Oh, they fired a bunch of people, laid a bunch of people off, went on a hiring freeze, yeah. and refused to hire new people then even when they needed help. Because I guess having enough money to float for three years, whether you need it or not, becomes, well, these were the profits we needed, the yeah. stuff in our pockets. Yeah. And now that we have them in our pockets, we're definitely not going to give them up just so you guys can have a decent job and yep. work good. We're going to go ahead and let you go. And, uh, and you know, that's been true in the airline industry. That's why even whenever the pandemic money came out, they, there was, they didn't want to give money to the airlines that they were just going to buy their own stock yep. back, you know, because yep. and those are that's what they were going to do. with the bailouts of the financial crisis. All these yep. companies do just stock buybacks. Buybacks. Yeah, buying back their stock on, on and that's public why, money. You know, yeah, exactly. And so that. it's one of those things where it's like, like at the end of the day, it's that idea that like if – as as a person, as a regular person on the world, on the planet, you know, you're told to have money saved up. If you're making a lot of money, make sure you're putting a lot of money aside. But here, if you're making rich, you know, you don't need to worry about putting money aside. Just lay everybody off when things get bad. Yep. And then that way for the government to give you some money to bail it all out. And then in a couple of years, then you can start hiring people back and you'll be able to take home basically the same amount of money year over year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's that kind of thinking that's caused this millennial gap between millennials and boomers and yep. even Gen X. And... The one thing I got to say on this topic, and maybe we end in the podcast on this, is uh, you boomers hold on as tight as you want. There's a 75 million people workforce. We coming for you. <laughs> Tax the rich. You know no, it. Tax them up. Straight up. So it, it's Everybody happening. eat. As much as, as, much as you eat. don't want it, everybody wants to eat. Everybody wants things to be fair. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, to, to kind of end it out, I know that. Um, a lot of our, our views, you know, socially and, and, you know, I'm speaking on myself a lot of my like political views and, and social views and things like that seem to be anti-capitalist in, in nature and, and how I view those. But um, really, when, when I speak about capitalism and when we speak about capitalism on this podcast, it's 
the antithesis of what we just talked about uh, in terms of that wealth disparity, you know, where, where everybody eats small business, you know, everybody eats uh, around the table doing business with your friends and doing business with the passion. Yeah. And that's what true, like, pure business ownership and entrepreneurship is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that we love, we love free business. We love private business. We love free market. We love the opportunity to go after opportunities, you know, we we love the things that America offers. I want to sell an eight dollar cup of coffee. Yeah, I mean, to, we have we have sold people. we yeah. have sold very expensive <laughs> cups of coffee, and enjoyed it not just because it was expensive, but because we love yeah. making it. And I want I want one restaurant that I own to sell an eight dollar cup of coffee, and the other restaurant to sell a one dollar <laughs> cup of coffee because everybody wants somebody wants one of them. Eighty dollar <laughs> steak and a four dollar steak burger. Yeah, for sure. I don't think there's any anti-business level on this, but I am anti-business that doesn't take care of its people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that that's just, that's number one. That's, that's number one. It should yep. be the first thing you're thinking if, about. If you're not taking care of the people, what are you even doing? What are you even doing? Just going on vacations, living it up? Yeah. Come on now. Well, am I a baller? Maybe. I don't know. I'm a millennial. Might not be. But I, I guess man, maybe we're not as at big At least I know we work hard, right? <laughs> at least I know we, yeah, work, we hard. work hard. Yeah, straight up. But uh, straight yeah, up. don't forget to hit us up on Instagram at Baller. Hit us up on wherever you uh, listen to podcasts. I know we dropped in India on that on that new platform a couple weeks ago. Hit us up there if you're listening to us in India. Hit us up on uh, you know Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, whatever you uh, do. Like, subscribe, share us uh, around, your, around your cubicle, mask on. Uh, when you hit that share button, share us on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. You can't listen to this with your mask on. <laughs> Am I Baller is brought to you by Baristi Boys and is a production of Miko Club. Uh, we're excited to be bringing you new episodes. Uh, you know, we've been bringing them in every week. But we're going to take a week off, so it's going to be like every week, but there's going to be a week off. So that's something you should think about. Garrett Haddock is like a long, warm winter vacation. Remember, go out there, be a baller, do your best on the court, in the office, wherever it is that that you exist. If it's in a park or on a beach, just be a baller, okay? It doesn't matter if it's in the ring. It doesn't matter if it's in your car. Just be a baller, okay? All right. Well, thanks for listening.